Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us at today's webinar, Regulatory Compliance Solutions in Singapore. I'll hand you over to my colleague, Connie Wong. Thank you, Connie. Thanks, Ali, and hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. My name is Connie Wong. I am the Executive Director of Waystone Base in Singapore. Waystone has over 20 years of experience in providing governance and compliance solutions to fund managers globally. Today, we wanted to take this opportunity introducing August's team to our fellow industry friends and clients. August has joined Waystone in June this year and is part of our global compliance solutions team. I'm very delighted to have Sachin and also Nithi joining with me on this webinar. Uh, before we get into the details, um, I would like to invite both of you uh, to give us you know, a brief introduction of yourself and also um, Sachin, maybe you can also share uh, a bit of the background on Argus and what we can do for the regulator fund managers in Singapore. Thanks, Connie. Hello, everyone, and thank you for all joining this webinar. I really appreciate it very much. Uh, as some of you know, Argus specializes in the regulatory compliance for financial institutions. Uh, we are a regulatory compliance consultant. Uh, I'm the one who founded the firm in 2017. I have a business partner, Dipesh Agarwal, who joined me in the early stage of the business. And Nithi, later on, Nithi joined us uh, as a director of compliance. Uh, as a personal background for me, a bit of an introduction, I am a chartered accountant, being into the startup industry, being with the Argus, of course, uh, 2017 when we started. Uh, Nithi uh, is there for the last two years. And what we do in terms of the, if I, maybe I take a pause and let Nithi uh, introduce herself first. Thank you, Sachin. Thank you, Connie. I'm very delighted to be here today and uh, being part of this session. A quick background to myself, a compliance professional. Uh, started off doing compliance in the banking sector, then I moved on to do compliance for an in-house uh, leverage FX CFD broker. And then I have uh, since then joined a consulting company where I was there for 10 years, heading up the Singapore office. And uh, I'm now part of the Argus team. I've been Part of the Argus team for the last two years, heading up the compliance uh, division here. And um, yeah, very happy to be here. Perfect. Thank you, Nithi. Um, maybe I will take it up and uh, explain what Argus really do. Uh, as I talked about, uh, Argus is a compliance consulting firm. We primarily focus through the financial institutions. Most of our clients are fund managers and how we help them we technically, what we do is we provide a very, uh, you know, solution approach. And if I put it very simply, we take it as a credit to Nirvana as a solution. What we, uh, the kind of a client, you know, other than the fund manager, we have uh, various uh, regime in the financial institutions, which are again, uh, could be financial advisors, could be payment service institutions, uh, forex trader, so on and so forth. How we provide our solution, it starts from, when, you know, if I take an example, if the if the client looking to establish its presence in Singapore, we will help them to set them up in Singapore. We help them to, uh, you know, build their licensing application, which again, I will, we, Nithi will go into the detail for that. Uh, we do licensing application, we do compliance policies, processes. Uh, once that is established, we do the ongoing compliance monitoring, provide internal audit, which is again, very uh, compliance focused, and we provide various training. We are again, uh, IBF recognized. And so our training uh, financial institutions can uh, take that and get the subsidy on it. So we cover that with, uh, with the various topics. 
uh, that's what we really, uh, you know, as a services, as a solution, what we cover. I think one of the thing which I would like to highlight that, uh, which we proud about how our clients look at it. We provide them the 360 degree view of, or 360 degree in terms of how we cover our services. Given, uh, you know, Niti coming in with the domain expertise, subject matter expert, uh, which comes with the whole compliance uh, uh, knowledge. Dipesh, who's again the business partner, he comes with the front office uh, kind of experience. He's been a private banker before. Uh, he has managed the forex trade, so he can uh, do that. As as you heard before, I am I was a CFO. I have managed the startups. So with that, I of course bring or I ensure that the compliance risk governance matter are delivered efficiently as well as the balance between the com commerciality and the compliance is managed well. So this is how our unique proposition is. Of course, uh, you know, I'll put it one size doesn't fit all. We remain very focused towards what client is looking for. We remain very B-scope, B-spoke, sorry. We remain very B-scope and we deliver the work as client would uh, want to do, uh, want us to do. So that's about it. Uh, maybe, Kony, uh, you have uh, some specific questions. Uh, over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Sachin and, and, and uh, Nithi, for giving us an overview of yourself and also uh, what Argus can support. Um, I've been also, you know, prepping for this webinar and also reviewing some of the statistics in the market. And we were all very much aware, you know, in Asia, Singapore is a leading financial hub. And one of the number I want to share with the audience today is um, with a, a, a statistic shared by the MAS in Singapore, the asset under management in Singapore. Um, over the year, especially in uh, 2020, uh, rose by 17% to 3.5 trillion. So that's a really, you know, a, a phenomenal number here. And a lot of the managers and globally, they're looking for uh, setting up their presence in Singapore. So if Nithi, you can share with us, you know, what are the different types of fund management regimes uh, available in Singapore and how does the regulatory landscape uh, look like? Sure, Connie. Uh, maybe just to take a step back, um, Singapore financial institutions are regulated by the Monetary Authority of Singapore, MAS as we call it, and it is the sole um, single regulatory body as well as a central bank uh, in Singapore. Um, in terms of uh, fund management sector um, alone, I would say that um, there are altogether about four different categories of licensing um, uh, or approval status that a fund manager could possibly fall under and be regulated. The first one is called the registered fund manager. Registered fund manager, uh, RFMC, as we also sometimes refer to, is not uh, really a license. It's more of a registration. It is essentially to allow uh, certain type of fund managers to get quickly regulated by the Monetary Authority of Singapore and to start fund management activities here in Singapore. Um, what are some of the limitations for an RFMC? You can only deal with 30 qualified investors at any one point of time, and you can only manage uh, assets up to 250 million Sing dollars. And uh, you can only deal with accredited or qualified investors uh, under the definition of the 30 only qualified investors parameters. So 
this is especially um, useful for startup fund managers um, who are not looking to grow that aggressively. They want to get a feel for the Singapore regulatory framework um, and they're only targeting a creditor or institutional investors. This is probably uh, a good uh, uh, way to get started in the Singapore landscape. The next level up would be the capital market services license for fund managers dealing with accredited and institutional investors. So in this particular category, this is uh, considered as the licensed category. Uh, the limitation for this particular license is that you can only deal with accredited or institutional investors. Um, so this is not a registration, but it is the actual license that you can obtain. And then the one above that would be uh, the capital market service license for fund managers, but dealing with retail. So there will there will not be any limitations in, in terms of the type of investors that you can deal with. And then we have the fourth category, um, which is the capital market service license, but for venture capital fund managers. Um, that again is a is an attempt by the Singapore government to sort of uh, create a lucrative environment in Singapore for VC-specific fund managers to be set up very quickly and start managing assets from here. So it has uh, been looked at quite favorably. Uh, the licensing timeline and the process and the requirements are uh, relatively uh, easier to, to meet. And therefore, the you, we have seen quite a lot of interest in foreign fund managers looking to come to Singapore to be set up as a VCFM manager. I think that's really uh, useful um, for uh, managers or some of the sponsors here um, on this webinar, knowing you know, the available framework in Singapore with the four type of categories. And perhaps um, if you can also you know, share with us what, what are the key compliance obligations for regulated fund managers in Singapore? So I would say that um, in terms of the key compliance obligations, the fund managers are generally, they have to comply with the uh, Securities Futures Act, which is the main legislation here. And then there are subsidiary legislation such as the Securities Futures Licensing and Conduct of Business, uh, as well as the Financial Margin uh, uh, requirement regulation. So the licensing and conduct of business regulation kind of stipulates the business conduct uh, requirements that fund managers need to comply with. Uh, of course, they change and they vary depending on the different types of uh, uh, fund management license or regulatory status that one falls under. The financial margin requirement regulation uh, effectively states all of the financial obligations that fund managers would have to meet. For example, if you're a licensed manager, what is the base capital you need to maintain? Um, what are some of the additional uh, risk-based capital that you have to maintain? Um, and can you reduce your paid-up capital? These are some of the requirements that will be captured under that particular regulation. And then Subsequent to that, we also have various notices and guidelines and circulars. So again, notices would be quite prescriptive in the sense that it, it will tell the fund managers what are some of the, again, business conduct requirements that they have to meet. Um, breaches of any notices is considered to be a breach of a regulation. Therefore, there will be penalties. Likewise, if you do not follow what's in the Securities Futures Act and the regulations, uh, it is also considered as a regulatory breach. And then the guidelines are issued and the circulars are issued sort of to give expansion on what's already stated in the notices as well as in the Act and the regulation. 
some of the key things uh, that fund managers would have to look at in terms of you know uh, whether they are meeting the requirements, I would break it into two parts. One is the initial prerequisites. Uh, what do they need to fulfill in order to be regulated here in Singapore? And then the second part is looking at you know the ongoing compliance obligations. You know how onerous is it? Uh, you know uh, do they need to set up large team of compliance professionals, for example? So maybe just quickly to touch on the initial uh, first part, the prerequisites. Um, I would say that for the RFMC and for the license category, um, in general, you need to have at least two people on the ground here. Uh, and they have to demonstrate that they have at least five years of relevant experience in fund management. Um, and particularly uh, collectively, they have to show that they have experience uh, in the asset class that the fund manager is going to do, as well as managing uh, the operations in terms of compliance and operations. Um, there are three categories of uh, type of uh, personnel that you need to have on the ground here. You need to have at least two directors, two relevant professionals, and two representatives. Um, two individuals, if they meet all three category requirements, then they can uh, fulfill all three hats and carry out those functions. Um, there is a requirement to have a base capital of minimum 250000 and again, um, if you are a licensed entity, there may be additional risk-based capital requirement that you have to meet. Um, and then moving on from that, there are certain requirements in terms of fit and proper. Uh, anyone that you hire and you present to the MAS in order to get the license, they need to show that they are financially uh, stable, they are not bankrupt, uh, they are credible, um, and and. Uh, they, they have good reputation effectively. And that representation has to be made to the regulator. And then other things will be looking at compliance. Um, you know, expectation here from the MAS is that uh, fund managers can outsource their compliance to a service provider like ourselves, uh, so long as they're only dealing with accredited or institutional investors and the assets that they're managing is under 1 billion Singapore dollars. So if you go beyond 1 billion, then definitely the MAS expects you to have an in-house dedicated compliance team uh, or a sufficient arrangements such that you get support from your related uh, corporates um, and having a senior person on the ground here providing some oversight. Um, I would say these are sort of the, the key requirements. And then, of course, when we look at uh, post-licensing, what are some of the things that uh, fund managers need to look at? Uh, definitely, there are a lot of requirements on uh, continual compliance requirements on the individuals, which are the representatives of the company. These are effectively your portfolio managers, your business development guys, uh, client servicing individuals. We have to ensure that, again, they are fit and proper, uh, that they're not carrying out any misconduct uh, during, the, uh, during the course of their employment. Uh, there are requirements on AML and KYC on the investor side. Uh, fund managers are ultimately held responsible for fulfilling compliance, even if you do outsource it to fund administrators to carry out some of the function. There are specific requirements in terms of you know, uh, risk management. MAS has issued out various notices and guidelines specifically on technology risk management and cybersecurity. So fund managers overall need to put in place a risk management framework that addresses clients' uh, risks pertaining to client assets, as well as operational risks that covers tech and cybersecurity. Um, 
besides those, um, I would say financial obligations are another aspect, uh, which I as mentioned earlier, uh, fund managers need to maintain minimum base capital as well as financial resources. Um, if I look at uh, another area, which is uh, part of business conduct would be the filings and the notification requirements to the regulator. I wouldn't say that the filings are that onerous. Um, most regulator fund managers, uh, if you are licensed, um, you have to do a quarterly filing to the regulator to indicate how financially viable you are and whether you're meeting the base capital and financial resources requirements. Um, and then on an annual basis, you are also obligated to uh, conduct an audit and submit uh, relevant forms to the regulator. Uh, if you are an RFMC, which is not uh, the licensed category, there are particularly annual uh, submissions that you do. You don't have to do any quarterly submissions. For any of the type of uh, fund managers that you, uh, fund management category that you operate under, there are lots of uh, notification requirements or rather filing obligations in terms of uh, any changes that occurs within the organization or the individuals. Um, there are specific timelines within which uh, fund managers have to notify the MAS if any changes occur. Uh, for some licensed categories of fund managers, they also need to seek pre-approval from the regulator before they do certain uh, compliance action points, like, for example, appointment of new directors, um, uh, you know, uh, changes to the shareholding structure, for example. So I think, you know, in general, uh, Singapore is not very different to the other regulatory market, I would say. Um, we have, uh, you know, good standards here. Uh, we are at FATF member country. So um, our legislation and framework uh, pretty much meets the industry, the global standards. This is good to hear. And I know, Nithi, you, you mentioned um, uh, um, as part of your conversation that compliance outsourcing is possible. So based on your experience, I know you, you, you have dealt with a lot of um, the managers as well as the dealt with uh, the regulator, what you see as a market practice and how Argus can help with, uh, you know, helping the managers navigating all this regulatory compliance landscape? Um, in terms of the market, what we see for, for the asset management sector, um, there are more than 400 asset managers uh, on the ground here. Um, majority of the registered fund managers, uh, they have outsourced their compliance to firms like ourselves. And then within the license bucket, where you have those dealing with accredited institutional investors, you have the retail investors, and then you've got the venture capital fund managers. Most venture capital fund managers, again, they outsource their compliance to firms like ourselves. Those dealing with accredited institutional investors, again, they also outsource uh, compliance to firms like ourselves. Um, having said that, we do have uh, lots of clients where they may have in-house capabilities. They may have a person who is uh, overall looking at compliance obligation. They still you know, uh, have us come on board to supplement and uh, be an additional resource to that in-house person. Um, and that happens for a number of reasons, mainly because you know it could be a one-man shop or it could be a, a scenario where that person is also overseeing not just Singapore, but other other offices around, uh, you know, other parts of the world, and therefore they may not have enough sufficient capacity to to really look at specific requirements in Singapore. Um, so I, I would say that you know majority of our clients um, 
see that there is a there is no need to have an in-house person and we are able to fulfill most of the function uh, that they that they would need in order to fulfill the compliance requirements uh, and some of our clients do have in-house and they have outsourced uh, some of the function to us as well Okay. Thanks, Nathan. And you know, it's also in line uh, what I've been seeing in the market as well. A lot of the managers they say they uh, rather outsource the compliance functions to a subject matter like ourselves and also yourself, uh, who are able to support them while they also retaining their resources in uh, towards their investment activities. So um, this is conceived. Uh, this is continued to be a trend that we are seeing not only in Singapore but also around the globe, and hence we have. Uh, put together a global compliance solutions in place supporting the managers um, who are looking to set up their shop or their outfit in Singapore, as well as for the managers in Singapore, they're looking for support locally. Um, so I guess it, it's very much helpful, you know, Nithi, you have shared the, all the um, existing uh, or maybe the current regimes and also the regulatory obligations um, within the industry. So maybe um, just to wrap up um, the, 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 the session, if you can also, you know, give us uh, a few area that which is happening or maybe a new regulations that um, some managers need to take note of, which is going to be effective in um, 2021 or maybe going forward, that would be uh, useful for the managers here today joining us. Sure, Connie. Um, so there are a couple of you know new uh, uh, regulations that that will kick in this year. Uh, the first one is the individual accountability and conduct uh, guidelines. So this is very similar to uh, you know the individual accountability regime uh, based in the UK as well as in Hong Kong. I think that Hong Kong is called a senior manager regime. Um, that is effective. Uh, as of September, actually, on the 10th of September. So fund managers would have to have the appropriate policies, procedures in place uh, to make sure that they are able to fulfill the requirements under that particular guideline, which essentially focuses on, you know, uh, making sure that uh, senior management team and key risk professionals, uh, personnel within the organization are responsible for the job function that they are carrying out and that there's a proper channel and a way to monitor their, their activities and whether they are meeting their, their responsibilities and how they have been remunerated as well, whether that, that is uh, uh, in line with their responsibilities. Uh, so that's coming up. And then um, uh, earlier around June, there was also the uh, guidelines on environmental risk management that was issued. Uh, again, that is particularly for the asset management uh, industry. That is, although the guidelines has been issued, uh, fund managers have 18 months of transition period to comply with it. Uh, again, the focus of that uh, particular requirement is to, to look at fund managers and how they are looking at environmental risk as part of their overall uh, portfolio risk management function. So now fund managers have to uh, incorporate environmental risk factors into the uh, investment uh, portfolio management function to adequately, you know, factor that it 
factor that in into the uh, overall risk management framework that they have um, put in place for the organization and at the fund level. Uh, again, that is something that you know fund managers have to uh, look at how they can potentially incorporate uh, risk factors um, into their overall investment strategies and how they're going to report that back to the investors. Um, earlier this year in January, uh, MAS issued the technology risk management guidelines um, and that was quite comprehensive, which basically goes very much into the depth of, you know, how um, how regulated financial institutions have to have appropriate uh, controls in place to monitor technology risks and address them adequately, uh, including, you know, the need to do uh, penetration testing if required, having the appropriate uh, data control mechanisms within the organization. So I think these are the three key uh, you know, legislations for this year. And then slightly before uh, this year, uh, we also saw the uh, requirement on the accredited institutional investor opt-in, opt-out regime that was introduced. So that was not uh, this year, but uh, the year before, but, you know, it's still fairly new. Um, so basically for that requirement, uh, we have to ensure that fund managers, when they're onboarding customers, especially if you can only deal with accredited or institutional investors, you have to ensure that you have appropriate uh, procedure in place to uh, get the accredited institutional investors to opt in to be treated as one. And then if somebody wishes to opt out uh, and be treated as a retail investor, uh, that's also something that you have to enable within your framework. Um, yeah, Connie, I think I think that's pretty much uh, some of the regulatory requirements that um, you know I can I can share. Thank you, Nithya. I think you gave a very comprehensive overview of um, the incoming regulations that's applicable to the fund managers in Singapore. And I do appreciate you know your time and also Sachin time this afternoon uh, sharing with us uh, some of the. Requirements and also the landscape in Singapore, uh, I found it really useful. And I'm sure the managers today, uh, Darlene, also found uh, have the same feeling as myself. So um, I know we might have some questions we wouldn't get a chance to address during the session, but we're happy you know, to reach out after this webinar to uh, each of you individually and also to address some of the questions you may have. And again, we will be also sharing Agus contact and also uh, our presentation slides after this session and we do welcome you know anyone if you are interested in knowing more about how August team can support you uh, uh, do feel free to drop us a line and uh, reach out to the team where we're more than happy to help thank you Connie um, thank you Connie thank you for organizing uh, this session as well and uh, as you have mentioned we'll be happy to take any questions anyone has um, and you know um, address them after this webinar